0: Hey there, my name is Kara McClintock and I am the host of the Building a Better Body podcast. I am a certified health coach, a podcaster, and the platform for others to share their story. My aim is to get as many experts on the show as possible, be that experts in health, experts in fitness, experts in mind, body, and soul, all the good things that make up that better body. I hope you enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by Hunter and Gatherer. These guys make the most amazing avocado mayo and avocado oil. I am currently obsessed with the garlic mayo. I pretty much put it on everything because it tastes so good. Jeff and Amy have created a wonderful brand with a range of products that not only taste great but are also nasty free. And I'm happy to tell you that you can use the discount code Karen10off at checkout on their store, hunterandgatherfoods.com, and also on Amazon UK. So go on, treat yourself, and have a taste. Check out the link in the show notes for T's and C's. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 68 of the BBB show. I kind of stopped mentioning the episode numbers there for a while, but decided to start again. So yeah, 68, excited to nearly reach 70. <laughs> uh, I hope I find you well. Thanks for taking the time to listen to me today. I really, really enjoy doing these podcasts and I just hope you get value from them as well. I have a guest lined up for you, as usual, um, and you'll hear me introduce him shortly. But I just wanted to say I am so happy to have someone local on the show for a change. You know, the more I can celebrate local people doing great things, the better. There's lots of fabulous people out there and I don't even... I think I'm aware of half of them. So, if you guys know of someone that you'd like on the show, please do let me know and drop me an email. And you know how to contact me with the information I give at the end of the show. But on to today. I'm speaking to a wonderful guy who is doing great things in the community. I don't want to say too much now because it's all an in intro and in the interview as well. But I just want to thank Scott again for coming on, being so open and honest with his story. He left me feeling inspired and I'm sure he will do the same for you. Particularly if you've had some health concerns that have held you back, Scott will help you realise that there potentially is hope and never to give up. So let's go. Today on the show, I am talking to Scott Riley from Causeway Living. Scott runs workshops that help people build mental and physical strength using breathing, meditation, movement, and cold water immersion techniques. Now that's just the sort of description in the world with regard to what Scott does, and that is why I will leave it up to him to give you much more of an overview of what he's all about. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Scott. Hi, Scott, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Karen. really appreciate you having me on the podcast today and it- Sharing with all your listeners lots of good stuff about the things you mentioned there mindset, cold immersion, breathwork. I'm sure we'll get a chance to touch on all of those today.
0: <laughs> yes, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Um, now, how about how about we start with your story? I know a little bit about you since I went on one of your workshops, which we will get into later. <laughs> um, I just loved your story and how you came to be where you're at right now. And hopefully you don't get too tired about talking about yourself. Um, but <laughs> would you like to tell our listeners your, your journey so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, for a long time, was reasonably hesitant about you know going in depth in my story and my journey but uh, it was a big part of my journey just learning how much value there was in sharing stories and the inspiration that other people could get from that like other people's stories on my journey were a massive influence on me and probably best to give listeners an idea of that rock bottom point that I hit this was back in June 2014 and I was seven stone or 45 kilograms heavier than I am now I'm pretty overweight and mm-hmm. uh suffering from a chronic illness at the time rheumatoid arthritis so for anyone who's listening and doesn't know that's an autoimmune disorder and that means your immune system is basically attacking your own body and that can manifest in different ways for different people so in the case of rheumatoid arthritis that is chronic inflammation in the joints but for the next person if that you know shows up in their gut they might have crohn's disease or if it's their skin it might be psoriasis so uh, most people have or have some sort of awareness of autoimmune disorders purely because if they're not suffering one chances are they probably know someone who does yes. and uh, yeah it's very very common in today's society so yeah needless to say that was a a pretty dark moment for me and um, as you can imagine my mental health wasn't that good at the time either but it was a long journey even to get to that point, you know, like that didn't happen overnight where I was so overweight and in such bad physical condition that, you know, going up and down a flight of stairs would have been sore just with the inflammation in my knees or turning a door handle or brushing my teeth would have hurt the joints in my hand. And even the most simple things were really difficult. But like I said, that wasn't overnight. I, uh, I started getting those physical symptoms four years prior to that. Um, but in my teens, I'd you know, had depression and anxiety on and off. And uh, yeah, there's a huge link between mental health problems and autoimmune disorders as well. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of no surprise that by the time I got to my early 20s, that was starting to manifest physically. I started getting sore fingers and I was getting pains in my foot whenever I was trying to do a bit of jogging. Not that I was a massive fitness person then, but Mm -hmm. I went to the doctors and found you know they thought maybe plantar fasciitis and which is a much more common issue with the foot and uh mm-hmm. yeah whenever it started spreading to other areas that's whenever they diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis which uh as you can imagine was pretty tough to hear that you've got a chronic condition and mm-hmm. not really supposed to get better mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh mm-hmm. yeah uh so there was um you know, dealing with this diagnosis, but still reasonably hopeful that you know it wasn't all doom and gloom. You know, I've heard heard of other people who managed the condition okay with the right medication, and mm-hmm. even though it took a couple of years, they found one pharmaceutical drug that actually worked really well for me, mm-hmm. um, which was great. I uh, I had that pharmaceutical drug working and took up cycling as something that was suggested to me by the doctors as something that would be low impact on the joints I managed to get probably properly fit for the first time in my life you know I did the Mara cycle from Belfast to Dublin which is a hundred and something miles to raise money for arthritis research and things were going really well and really positive Mm -hmm. but just as things were really picking up for me (laughs) the medication stopped working so if I'm honest that was harder to take than even just getting diagnosed in the first place so that's ultimately in the following two years after that I just really lost hope um, and then I got into this like downward spiral of bad momentum where because I was miserable I was eating rubbish food and um, because of that you know the condition would get worse and because of that I would do less movement and ultimately put on a lot of weight and um, yeah it became like i mentioned the physical symptoms became much worse sure. ultimately until the point in that june 2014 place where i mentioned seven stone overweight and honestly not willing to continue on with what was you know a, a really miserable set of life circumstances and sure. the the scary thing for me at that time was you know it was a chronic condition which means that you know you're supposed to have it forever but uh, it wasn't a terminal thing so i was looking at another who knows 40 50 years maybe of those circumstances and i think that's what gave me the desperation to just start looking into anything and everything to mm-hmm. change things for the better
0: mm-hmm. um well thanks for sharing that with me scott that was it's very vulnerable and um you're obviously passionate about talking about it and it's, it's interesting just a few things that you you said there you know you're supposed to accept it forever. I wonder what it was inside of you that maybe isn't inside somebody else that makes you go, do you know what? I'm not going to accept this. What, what was it, do you think? <laughs> Did you see somebody else with the story or?
1: Yeah, so that was a huge part of it. Like I, I touched on before, the um, hearing other people's stories was a huge inspiration to me. Uh, another thing, so other than just hearing other people's stories, one thing for me that... Uh, In a weird way, it seems strange to say it, but I was almost lucky things got as bad as they did. Things were totally intolerable. And I think that with some of the pharmaceutical drugs we've got at the moment, they're quite good at managing the symptoms to a point where people can kind of get along okay and um you know there's less of an impetus to actually take your health into your own hands then because it is tolerable even if it's really really uncomfortable whereas the situation I was in was completely intolerable like I was not you know I would see maybe my mom or my dad once a week I would be completely isolated because I was ashamed of how overweight I was and feeling pretty grumpy about the fact that I was sore all the time and uh yeah I couldn't face another you know like I said who knows 30 40 50 years of that so in some ways you know I was very lucky that things were so bad that I was completely forced to do something anything to to get better but um, as you rightly mentioned just hearing other people's stories so whenever I started looking into alternative health measures to take my health into my own hands, the first things that came up for me were um, a lot of anecdotal evidence of people getting better uh, who had autoimmune disorders. And the two things that I found that people were getting better, whether it was just anecdotal evidence or not, was juice fasting and the plant medicine treatments in South America. So I, uh At the time, that June 2014 time, Mm -hmm. I booked a trip to go to the Peruvian Amazon to be treated by the plant medicines there. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, they only take a reasonably smaller amount of people at a time. And I had to wait until January 2015 until I was actually flying out there to be treated. So I had this six month time gap between booking the trip and actually going there and within right. those six months. Another thing that I'd found that I thought this would be a good time to implement um, other things that I'd learned along the way, uh, that thing was juice fasting. Mm-hmm. So there was a couple of great documentaries that I'd watched, one was called Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix and about an Australian guy called Joe Cross yeah. and he basically he was in the exact same situation as I was very overweight, suffering an autoimmune disorder, although it was like a psoriasis type condition, a skin disorder. So very, very similar kind of condition. And through going 60 days of just fruit and vegetable juices, he managed to come off his medication. He uh, wasn't suffering any symptoms anymore. And that was a massive inspiration to me, especially getting off his medication as well. That, was something that really troubled me the medication I was being prescribed at the time which wasn't even working was mm-hmm. so strong that I was having to go to the doctors every two weeks for a blood test yeah. um, just for the medication not even for the the conditioner I was yeah. uh, suffering from so mm-hmm. that was a huge inspiration for me and um, yeah I committed to that in mm-hmm. that space of time between booking the flight to Peru and going there there was two months of just drinking fruit and vegetable juices and I was lucky in a sense as well that around that time there was another documentary just being released called Super Juice Me yeah. um, and it came with a 28-day plan so I think thought that was good, I could follow that 28-day plan back to back plus a few days, mm-hmm. take it up to 60 and then kind of get the best of both documentaries. Mm-hmm and uh yeah basically by the end of it I was feeling a lot physically better I'd lost a lot of the weight mm-hmm. that I put on and followed that up with another four months of very clean eating I didn't really know what I was doing nutrition wise in those four months but yeah. I just knew that I I knew what was gonna hurt I don't even really know how to
0: yeah. articulate
1: that I knew what was not going to hurt me so I knew that uh just steamed vegetables some fruit chicken and fish wasn't going to hurt me much and um, I stuck to a very simple diet like that Sure.
0: and what does your diet look like now I I assume you've added in a bit more variance
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely and it's totally fluctuated you know throughout the time you know in the years that's that have passed since um, I do my best to eat as little processed food as possible as little refined sugar as possible Mm Mm-hmm try and stay away from uh, overeating starchy carbs so yeah in a sense you know like uh, intuitively I was doing a lot of the right things in those four months after the juice fast
0: yeah yeah your your Um, body knows doesn't it I think so yeah yeah in a weird sort of way you just have to take your time and you know as you say if you eat something that is ultra processed you do feel like junk afterwards everybody does but there's that high that they get addicted to i guess at the same time
1: a hundred percent and uh, and that was probably quite lucky for me whenever i was coming off the end of the juice fast mm. you know it would give me a chance to go through any withdrawal from those addictive things and yeah. most processed foods and then honestly after two months of just drinking fruit and vegetable juices like even just a bit of chicken or fish and steamed vegetables mm. feels awesome so yeah
0: yeah exactly you almost get Uh, addicted to that feeling so you don't want to undo all the good work I would imagine because it's such a long stretch of time
1: yeah and one of the things that really helped keep me sticking to the fast and then continuing to eat very cleanly afterwards was the trip to South America you know I had read a lot and listened to a lot of other podcasts actually about um, the treatments there and that the people who got most out of it were those who'd maybe gone there with their body in as clean a state as possible. Yeah. yeah. So apart from the juice fasting and, uh, continuing to eat really cleanly in those, you know, six months between booking the trip and going there, mm-hmm. I actually stopped taking the pharmaceutical drugs, at the start of the juice fast, so
0: yeah,
1: uh, not something that I could necessarily recommend yes. to everyone. It was right for me at moment. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. yes,
1: important disclaimer: <laughs> don't just ditch all your pharmaceutical <laughs> drugs because um, okay, it might work well for me, but I might be the uh, very much the exception there. And again, just like you were talking to or talking about before with intuition, like I knew that was something that I had to do in that moment, and yeah. It,
0: yeah and you you mentioned it worked out um, well for me sorry you mentioned um hitting rock bottom and i I particularly like how you mentioned on your website that you're actually extremely grateful for the years of mental and physical suffering because without that Mm. chance to hit rock bottom you wouldn't have discovered the effective path that you're on now um and i see this more and more you know people having the worst of experiences and those very things are what propel them you know to to do more to be more and share more Uh, and every time I hear those kind of stories I feel that one of the most dangerous things we can experience is a life of comfort Uh, and that might sound strange Uh, I mean it's great for a while we all like to feel safe and cozy you know our brains are wired for that however we don't grow in that state of comfort you know there isn't as much urgency to make big leaps when everything's just ticking along just fine um, and what happens is we, we start to feel unfulfilled, perhaps anxious or even worse, apathetic about life. Uh, I mean, is that really how we want to live? I don't I don't think so. So that kind of comes to the discomfort that we, that I talked about on your session and you talk about. Yeah, I
1: think it's really uh, it was really important for me, at least. And even kind of like what I uh, mentioned earlier, where I was grateful for the fact that it got so bad that that was the inspiration to, do, to go on and do something about it you mentioned the word comfort there like that's it's a weird way to describe it but it is an accurate way um with people who end up with those kind of conditions it's possible to get to a place of comfort that it's they're not great life circumstances but if you can kind of manage and get by and things are okay you might never have the the push to go and yes. try something as ridiculous as not eating for two months or flying to the middle of the Peruvian yeah. Amazon or yeah. uh, which definitely isn't right for everyone but I'm very grateful that I had the chance to uh, to go and do those things and you know I did take some big leaps of faith to, to get my health back but you know probably in the in the aftermath of that and everything I've learned about health since it's really more about the small steps and if you keep taking small steps mm-hmm. towards improved health they might never have to take those giant leaps that I had to and the more people I can help avoid having to go to those kind of extremes yeah. through um, some you know some more reasonable practices then that's definitely for the better.
0: Yeah no that's great um, and then that will bring us to your workshops that you do Wim Hof uh, who created the method behind what you teach Perhaps listeners are not aware of who he is. Maybe they are, because a lot of people who listen to these kind of podcasts do know who he is. I've heard him on a couple of different podcasts. Um, Would you like to explain to everyone who he is and what his method is all about?
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks, Karen. I first discovered Wim and his method. It was about a year after I got back from Peru. Mm -hmm. It was during the time in Peru that... I first got the inspiration to come back and help other people, like I just mentioned on going through my story there. It was mm-hmm. really like nothing short of a miracle. Like I told that I basically wasn't get back be- gonna get better. and by this stage, I was six months with no pharmaceutical drugs and no symptoms really at this point. and mm-hmm. um, I was really inspired to come back and help help other people. so um you know, it would be. Great if I had to just come back and discover the Wim Hof method straight away, but it wasn't really uh, very popular at this time. I it took me a year or so to to come across that. I went and did a different health coaching qualification, and uh, and within that year, after coming back from Peru and more or less feeling totally better, I was still interested in exploring other alternative health treatments and practices purely because I'd had so much benefit to my life through the the ones that um, I had already explored, like juice fasting and the, the plant medicine treatments. Uh, then the Wim Hof Method was something I came across through the Joe Rogan podcast. I heard uh, Wim speak on the Joe Rogan podcast and through the Vice documentary as well, uh, Vice Media Online. So I was really inspired in particular about the fact that um, there was hard science behind it, that um, Wim had been into universities. Radboud University did a big study in 2012 on Wim, and uh, the thing that really spoke out to me was that he could influence his immune system and the nervous system to reduce inflammation in the body. And as someone who'd suffered from a chronic inflammatory Mm -hmm. condition, I thought that that might be a really useful thing Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, um, I was very curious about that. And I I went straight into the online course. There's a 10 week online course of the Wim Hof method. And yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was amazing. I discovered, uh, the three pillars of the Wim Hof Method. So that's breathwork, mindset, and the cold. And I came to it initially with, kind of like I mentioned, that prevention mindset that if my conditions ever started coming back again, or the symptoms of the condition rather, uh, that I would just have another tool to be able to reduce that inflammation and and feel better. But that very quickly shifted from prevention mindset to optimization mindset. Mm -hmm. And I noticed my... Uh, cardiovascular fitness was greatly improved and my mental well-being felt better and that I was dealing with stress even better and one of the best things about the whole Wim Hof method was the kind of people that I met through doing it ever since I came back from Peru that had been really hard to find the same community and feeling that I got from the sort of people that I met at the at the retreat center there where we were being treated and I mean in Peru that was the first time in my life that I'd been around 20 other like-minded people who just wanted the best for themselves but each other as well and uh, honestly since I I came back home I'd never found the same community of so many people uh, around myself like that and Mm. the Wim Hof Method was the, the first time albeit at first only online okay and uh yeah those are the, the big things that I took away from the method. And it was those people that I'd met through learning and practicing online that really encouraged me to go on and become an instructor and use what health coaching qualification I did have at that point to yeah. you know, set up a health coaching business and um, put my story up online. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, start sharing that because other people's stories had been so influential on my journey. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that somebody else could do it, you know, I think was a a huge inspiration to me. And if people could see what kind of state that I was in and, you know, seven stone overweight, chronically ill, Mm -hmm. if that guy can, you know, do all the things that I've gone on to do, then uh, everyone should really think, then why can't I, you know, have, borrow that belief from the fact that, you know, if that guy can do it, anyone can, so.
0: Yeah, so, so much is possible if we just perhaps challenge conventional thinking, you know, anything is possible. T-
1: totally agree with that, and uh, that's where other people's stories and anecdotal evidence really came in for me, you know. It's one thing to intellectualize it and, and yeah. s- you know, think that, oh, okay, if I do this and this, maybe I'll get better, but if you can see real people who are out there living in the world, and can tell you, yeah, I did these alternative health practices and I'm feeling a lot better Then it really is um, a means of borrowing belief. And I am a huge advocate of uh, not even just believing, but like knowing that it's, it's going to work. And I'm not even a hundred percent sure that, I I mean, I, I know that at that time when I was doing the juice fast and going to South America that I knew that it was going to work and it might have been delusional or uh, naive but you know I think that was a huge part of it as well getting into the right mindset uh, 100% yeah Yeah. and which is one of the fundamental parts of the Wim Hof method as well so Mm Yes, so along with mindset and the the breathwork practice and the cold immersion training, yeah, it was uh, it was huge for me and the community that I met through it. And like I mentioned, hugely uh, improved my cardiovascular fitness. And then I noticed that I was able to better deal with stress. And the thing that I also mentioned as well was that there was hard science behind it; that there was peer-reviewed studies. Yeah. And I had had the inspiration to come back from Peru and help other people. But everything I'd done up until that point was like quite experimental and quite extreme. Whereas with the Wim Hof methods, uh, uh, you know, it was a, it's a lot more accessible to do a breathwork practice each morning and turn your shower down a bit colder rather than have to not eat for two months and fly to Peru and all the rest of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. One step at a time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Very good. Well, as as you know, I went to your Wim Hof workshop um, and I wanted to go to fully immerse, pardon the pun, (laughs) myself in your work before uh, talking about it. And I really enjoyed it for a number of reasons. You talked about building a community a little bit there and I did feel connected even if it was just for that brief little time. Uh, I got a few business cards and stuff. It'll be good for later. (laughs) Um, It's amazing how experiences like that, you know, spent with like-minded people make you just feel great without much effort to be honest just be yourself and you do sort of start to feel really alive almost and the breathing exercises weren't what I expected at all in fact I don't even know what I expected going in Um, but they were pretty intense I thought it would be more relaxing but they're very powerful and and fast but that's what it's all about you know whenever you understand it's about the nervous system it completely makes sense and I've talked about fight or flight response on this podcast before in the past and many of us are kind of on that, as you talked about, as well on that edge and that state of high alert a little bit too often. And like you mentioned, the the out breaths that are quite important after the intense breathing are very serene and peaceful. And I really love just you know just being in that moment and being present because it's something that I have real difficulty with. I'm always thinking about what just happened today and how can I do that better tomorrow and what's happening next week. <laughs> and just, ah, monkey mind. I need to just relax. And then we went on to the ice bath and. Anyone out there who knows me know that I run a bit on the cold side. I'm always freezing. Uh, But that's why I knew I had to do it. You know, as I say, I wanted to embrace the discomfort. It certainly took my breath away. But there was no hesitation. I was ready to rock. First up, let's go. Get it done. Um, And afterwards, I did feel really alive. You know, you could just tell your eyes were wide and white just afterwards without even looking at yourself. You know, Um, I haven't felt that way in a long time. And... Uh, I've kind of just talked about myself a bit too much there. <laughs> but I just wanted to experiment my experience with you because I'm sure it's exciting for you to hear everybody's response, like genuine response, not even just an email, just somebody's voice telling you how good it was, you know? Um, oh, that's nice.
1: It's amazing, and to know that, like having taken so many workshops now, to see that time and time again and that it's so reliable, yeah. is is amazing. And that's another thing, you know, the science is there. There's the reliable evidence through my experience, having taken so many people through that. And whenever you do know the science, it makes it all a lot clearer. You know, you mentioned that clear-minded state, and you know, getting to the right part of the nervous system to to really um, bring that back reliably each time and then hopefully through doing that the people can access without necessarily having to do a breathwork practice or you know get jump into an ice bath if you can like open those unlock those doors then in your mind then you can get back there um, you know through your uh, just mindset alone which is really powerful as well
0: And you talked about before this, the workshop, you know, to do the cold shower thing. And I'd been doing it for a while because I'd been listening to different people talk about it. But my shower does not run cold at all (laughs) compared to that ice bath. It's like a walk in the park. You you turn it to total cold. and It's like, oh, this is is nice and refreshing. Stay here for a while. Do you know what I mean? Some showers just don't go to that kind of cold extreme.
1: No, I mean, thankfully, we're relatively lucky here in Ireland that there's no short supply of cold water in the sea. So, right. You're uh, quite right, yes. <laughs> even at this time of the year, it's it's you know warmer. Uh, it's still going to have the required physiological effect for you to get all the health benefits out of it. You might need to stay in a bit longer than you would at the winter time, but um, yeah, that's yeah. that's been huge for me. the The sea swimming aspect is a means of maintaining regular cold immersion practice without having to break the bank on 100 kilograms of ice every time like we did on saturday (laughs) but uh yeah also the the community side of that as well and there's an amazing um yeah like bond between sea swimmers here not even just in my own regular sea swimming group that i've got locally just outside belfast but Mm. i hear the same stories from places all over ireland and abroad that uh those cold water swimmers really come and connect together which is amazing
0: i would imagine if you go to something like that in a group it spurs you on to get into the water whereas if you're on your own you could kind of just go i not bother today whereas there's 15 <laughs> other people going come on and they're all the way like, you you know <laughs> you're gonna go, go in after
1: them <laughs> that's it put a bit of positive peer pressure exactly. and uh yeah. but apart from that as well like i mean as you mentioned there is like a, a sense of bonding that you come across and even in like a four hours an afternoon in the workshop that you already feel more connected to folks and um, whenever you go through like a stress like that you know or discomfort is the word that we've used a, a few times you know if you put yourself in that situation it's a hugely bonding thing to, to go through that with another person or a group of other people like the biggest extreme to take it to an extreme as an example or like warlike situations you know in, yeah. in the military people go through life or death situations and you know feel like brothers or sisters for the rest of their lives and even though an ice bath may not be life or death even though it feels like for some people <laughs> uh it's a an extremely bonding thing as well uh same with sea swimming and it's only develops over time through a regular practice so yeah. that's one thing i could highly encourage folks listening you know if they want to get involved with a bit of um regular uh cold water therapy that um, you see swimming groups all over the place and you might find that the vast vast majority of them aren't thinking about it as like you know an alternative health practice they're just there for the crack and get yeah, into it you see they're still getting all the health benefits so yeah. whatever your intention or motivation it's all good you're gonna still get uh, all of the benefits out of it
0: I think we underestimate how important community is you know we, we can't be on our own forever um you know there's lots of science behind the fact that people will get more ill if they don't have a community just somebody to come around and say how you doing you know there'll be a lot of mental health um studies about that but i, I mean i wouldn't be able to speak on it myself but you, you see it in the news all the time you know it's it's fascinating to read all that sort of stuff
1: yeah absolutely in fact i think it's probably the most important uh, pillar that you can lean on in terms of health strength and happiness i've got this uh with my health coaching company causeway living uh, i've got a, a pyramid of balance i've put together and it's taking from the all the experiences that i've lived through over uh those couple of years and going from chronically ill to doing really well and um so i look at six pillars of health along the bottom and um this comes from my first health coaching qualification uh, with the Czech Academy. And uh, it's all very, very simple stuff. But, you know, that's kind of where the magic is mostly and looking at building a good habits in hydration, nutrition, sleeping, breathing, moving and thinking. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you know, it's through the Wim Hof method and some of my other experiences that I started to understand there was there was more to it and I uh, really looked at three pillars of strength so uh, for me the most important one is community and other people and then to tie that in with Wim Hof method nature and connecting to that and then the elements so either cold or you know heat is another um, another stimulus that you can put on the body to get a lot of health benefits too but uh, above that I've got like a pillar of happiness which is kind of like self-optimization but the point that I wanted to get to in explaining all that was the center point that middle pillar of uh, strength is community and everything's attached to it so you know it's all well and good to build good habits and uh, you know those six pillars of health those six little simple areas but if you don't have anyone to do that with or help keep you encouraged or motivated you know you, the habits fall apart very easily and I think that's where Mm -hmm. This idea that you become like the average of the five or seven people that you spend the most time with. Mm yeah is is really important so that's something for folks listening to <laughs> really dwell on yeah. you know do you, who do you spend the most time with on exactly. average and, and do you want to be the average of that person <laughs>
0: yeah well this is where like, social media comes in and it is actually a useful thing you know where you can actually see things that are happening if um, meetup groups and stuff like that you know the stuff that you do on Sunday mornings the swims you know it's easy to see what's going on whereas years ago that wouldn't have been possible so it's just deciding to do these things and you know you enjoy it when you get there you always do
1: <laughs> no totally social media has been massive like without podcasts I would never have discovered the uh, the plant medicine treatments in South America you know mm-hmm. um, without the internet I wouldn't have seen the documentaries that uh, encouraged me to do the juice fast even uh, the documentaries and podcasts about the Wim Hof method but um, I, that allowed me through social media to connect to other people doing the Wim Hof method online and Like I mentioned, those were the people who really encouraged me to set up the health coaching company and now building those connections in person, which is uh, even more valuable. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a massive, positive thing if it's used in the right way.
0: You're quite right. Um, Scott, I want to be respectful of your time. So I just want to ask you a question that I ask everyone. If you could give one Scott nugget that they can incorporate into their lives in order to build that better body, what would that be today? you can have more than one if you want
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's all right well definitely the first thing that jumped in my mind there was belief we talked a little bit about that as well Uh, that was huge for me on my journey and part of the reason why I'm sharing my story and why I think it's really important for other people to share their stories is that even if you know, having read something about an alternative health practice and you you kind of get it intellectually, there's something completely different than just knowing that if someone else has gone out there and done it and made a massive difference to their life, then, you know, you can as well. And you can really borrow that belief through other people's experiences and then through living it yourself, you know, embody that belief through your own experience. So for anyone who wants to authentically build a better body for themselves, all you have to do is, you know, really just look out around you, and there's enough people who have done it and, you know, have and, uh, put those practices into their lives and made a massive difference. That you can know that you can do it as well. Yeah. Surrounding yourself then with the uh, the right kind of community and helping people that will help you stick to it is, um, yeah, another thing that's going to really help. But just knowing for sure that you can do it, there's no reason that you can't do it is uh is the most important thing i think for me having the right mindset and just knowing that it's possible
0: thank you i know there's if there's people listening out there there's somebody that comes to your mind that needs to hear this you know there is a, a, another i'm thinking of people you know you, you know you can you can up your game you can do something to to feel better to get stronger if you just sort of have a wee listen to scott and <laughs> and other people out there that have wise words and, and stories and anecdotes to tell
1: Totally. And as well, just another uh, point that, as you're saying, that comes to mind is if somebody hears a story about, you know, crazy juice fast and flying around the world, and if that all seems unattainable and, you know, so it's all well and good for him, you know, he did it. There's a couple of things to think about there, you know, always bear in mind that whenever I started my health journey, I was in a terrible place mentally I was very very overweight very very sore so you know it's not just some very healthy guy just coming and you know saying oh it's easy just do this and that you know it was coming from a person who was in a a terrible state at the time so if that person can do it anyone can and the other thing to uh, another bit of advice that I heard from professor Jordan Peterson who Canadian clinical psychologist was sometimes uh, you're not aiming low enough, which (laughs) sounds uh, a bit counterintuitive, but, you know, sometimes instead of thinking about the big juice fast or whatever, or, you know, as just an example, sometimes you can start a lot smaller than that. Like pick something that's within your area of competence to work on each day that'll have a positive effect in your life you know it's not beneath you to the example he uses is tidy your room tidy your room every day and that's like a small positive start that's not beneath you and it's one small positive thing you can do each day to get get a little bit better eat one of your meals each day a little bit healthier and you know really just set the ball in motion for Mm. some positive momentum so those are all good things
0: I think it's easy for people to always focus on the end goal which is which is going to be too overwhelming and that's possibly, possibly why you give up along the way whereas if you do it in incremental steps like that you get the momentum going and it's it's manageable and you you get the the drive to keep going
1: Totally. So yeah, whenever you hear an inspiring story like that, and even if that feels like without your, it's beyond uh, what you're capable of and, and the story enough isn't enough to give you that belief, then just start a little bit smaller and build up and, uh, yeah, everyone can do something for themselves every day mm-hmm. to uh, to improve their circumstances and build a better body.
0: Yeah, oh, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> <laughs> um, and where is the best place got for people to connect with you on the web?
1: Uh, so all the social media platforms are just slash Causeway Living. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or if anyone wants to go to CausewayLiving com, mm-hmm. it's possible to book onto the Wim Hof workshops, um, doing them regularly in. Belfast and taking people into the Bourne Mountains as well, which is good fun. I'm doing that this Saturday for a bit of connection to nature as well as the breath work and the cold and yeah it's possible to to find everything on causewayliving.com or on all across all the social media platforms wow, i'll too.
0: put all of that in my show notes not a problem at all scott well thank you so so much for coming on and being super genuine and inspiring uh, i love the way you talk i love your story and i hope everybody listening does too i have no doubt that they will of course
1: <laughs> <laughs> perfect thanks again karen really appreciate it and uh yeah really enjoyed being on the podcast today
0: thank you so much as always for listening guys i hope you enjoyed the show if you have any questions send them along to info at uk, and if you want to support the show you can head on over to karmaclintock.co.uk forward slash support and it would be awesome if you could leave me an itunes review as well thank you